Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Spin This Podcast, where Aiden Claire and Sam Dow talk about music and all the things that are spinning around in the music industry and everything else that we can uh, think of to discuss. Hey, welcome to episode one of the Spin This Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Aiden. And this is a, a sort of first attempt at our podcast, and we're going to uh, talk about anything and everything relating to music and the music industry and music that we're working on, music that we like, and music that we can hear with our ears before we get started i actually just want to tell you a story this is funny okay. so uh the other day i was going up for a walk this is not related to music at all which is totally appropriate for the first episode of a podcast where we talk about music fair enough uh i went out for a walk i was walking down like a main street and there was a crescent like road right which means that there are two like entry points to the to the side street right and i was crossing right. one of them and in my mind, it seemed like the, the, there was no way that there was not a stop sign uh, at that street. I had started crossing and there was a car that was coming out of that side street, right? And mm-hmm. as I was like, and he stopped, right? He was coming towards me and he stopped it. But as I was looking over, I saw that there was actually no stop sign. <laughs> and and, like, and it, it wouldn't have mattered. None of this mattered at all. But like, as I was looking over to see that there was no stop sign... I kind of like lifted my hand up like very timidly to like thank him for letting me <laughs> cross yeah, the street. Yeah. And uh, and then I just like, you know, continued to go. And then I just kind of like walked away as fast as possible uh, just so that anybody yeah. who was like who witnessed that uh, would forget my face uh, as, as quickly as possible. <laughs> as needed. Yeah. I like that story because it has like universal themes that we can all relate to. <laughs> I, I very much relate to that. I have I have a lot of stories like that, and I'm just going to like put it right where it's like least appropriate. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I I wanted to to uh, this is kind of like a cross between uh, a self anecdote and a music industry anecdote. Do it. Uh, I've probably told you about this in the past, but uh, so I'm looking at an article that came out last year. Uh, London bus driver moonlights as popular Punjabi singer. Uh, so oh yeah, this, you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, uh, he, uh, uh, he's a bus driver. He he drew he drove the number thirty eight bus when that was a thing here in London, Ontario, uh, which is the right. bus that I would take. Yeah, yeah. And I saw this guy like, like probably all, several times a week for you know, the months leading up to this. I, funny enough, I haven't really seen him that much since this article. Um, I mean, the 38 bus doesn't exist anymore, but uh, I don't know if he's still bus driving in general. Uh, but it, it talks about how he he uh, he writes and records all these, like, uh, Punjabi, I guess, s- style songs. Uh, I don't know the proper term of the music, but... Uh, and he has all these music videos that go with it where it's basically just like shots of uh downtown london but like in this uh to this music that is the last thing you would think of with <laughs> london ontario uh 
but yeah, it was it was a pretty uh, kick ass uh, creation that he made, and uh, and I always wanted to tell that guy like, oh man, I checked out your videos. You're 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 pretty good at it, but I never saw him again. Yeah, but maybe he stopped being a bus driver and became a full musician. Who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, like London, Ontario is like has been the breeding ground for a lot of like unexpected success. You know, what I found out recently. The guy who created the show House was from London, Ontario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of random people that are from London, Ontario. Shad, Shad's from London, Ontario. The guy, I think he's hosting Q right now. Who? Shad. Shad's like Chad. a <laughs> Chad. <laughs> the Ch- the Chad London, Ontario. <laughs> uh, another music related person from London, Ontario. Birthplace of Justin Bieber. He'll he'll come up at least like once uh, every podcast, I'm sure. I have a small anecdote about Justin Bieber. Well, it's it's a story from uh, uh, a girl I used to date. I've probably told it to you before, but yeah, uh, he uh, he grew up and I think in St. Mary's or one of those uh, Stratford towns, Stratford. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he went to the same school. School, I think elementary school, if not high school, as uh, my ex-girlfriend. And uh, there was like this uh, winter winter wonderland formal dance type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Justin Bieber stole my ex-girlfriend's ticket for the dance. And I think he got caught and then she got her ticket back and Justin Bieber didn't get to go to the dance. But uh, you know what? Justin Bieber has not like... Uh grown as an individual since then. <laughs> <laughs> he's still stealing high school tickets yeah yeah no no that's the kind of behavior i would expect of like 25 year olds <laughs> like grown-ass adult justin bieber yeah yeah that sounds about right for some reason i always thought that he was he was like uh younger than me which is like uncharacteristic yeah. because i always am and surprised that a lot of these people are like way younger than me like billy eilish i like was like 18 years old like and, and i think uh she was 17 years old when she came out with uh the last uh, album that won like a ridiculous amount of grammys well it wasn't the yeah. album in particular it was the songs and uh other things as well but but like yeah. Man, when I was 17, I was like, I just remember us, we were like the losers of high school. And then these yeah. people are like making millions of dollars. We barely won any Grammys. Yeah, yeah. I only won like one or two and that sucks. She won like five. That's not fair. Yeah. Well, in my uh, research for this episode, uh, Post Malone, he's only, uh, he, he was born 1995. So we're older than him. And oh like, yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's weird that like the standard like is when you're growing up, all these like people that are famous or are you know musicians or actors and shit. I, uh, uh, it, it's now that they used to always always be older than us, but now the majority, they're only gonna well they're gonna be the same age these uh, as new ones crop up. But we're we're old. We're getting older. We're not old, but we haven't done as much. Uh, not that it's a race, but I, I didn't, you know, release any albums. I mean, I did. I never re- released uh, to critical reception and yeah. all that. This is a Doomer podcast now. We're talking about how depressed we are that we didn't make it uh, in the in the mainstream. But, like, I don't know. I mean, um, uh, for every, like, 
hit person out there there's like a million people who are just like never discovered ever in their yeah. lifetime that's not a bad thing yeah also like I... you know it doesn't stop you from like being depressed and shit so <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> it doesn't like i mean uh i think there are probably enough people who have gotten to 27 and uh have killed themselves to justify the claim that it's you know yeah it's uh it's kind of overrated yeah, yeah. but again i guess that's that's kind of what they were aiming to do right they were looking to die young so they achieved their goal really is that uh, i mean it's it's uh you know it's kind of like a go out guns ablazing kind of thing yeah if your life goal is to die and if you achieve that goal then that's that's you know that's pretty rad <laughs> yeah my perpetual life goal is to die in 60 years <laughs> It's... I've been saying that since I was like 18, 17. So now you want to die when you're 85 or just 60? I, I, it's 60 years, so 85. Okay. Next year, I'll, my goal is live to 86. Honestly, like uh, if I was in my 80s and I, and I died, I think I'd probably be like satisfied with that. Yeah, it'd be like, a, you know, you live the whole life. Yeah, yeah. It depends. Like That's why I feel... Um, a little less sad for like you know artists and shit who die when they're like nice and old as opposed yeah. to artists who are like cut short yeah you know i still feel like if bowie hadn't died i think he had uh yeah. like liver cancer or something like that i can't remember exactly what uh but i feel like if he hadn't died of cancer he, he was still would probably have like more good albums yeah i think he was uh was it on his 69th birthday or around that age he wasn't like oh never mind that's pretty rad i would die at 69 <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm gonna look it up because I, I think it, it was if not on his birthday right around there because that's when his album came out as well yeah uh, it, it was january january 10th. for his oh, yeah. birthday was january 8th and he was 69 years old he'd been 69 for two days that's awesome he definitely that definitely uh was not an accident yeah he yeah. He, <laughs> he chose <laughs> That's just so people to... could like, um, could just be like, hmm, nice. Yeah. It was a nice life. Yeah. Was I, I, I was actually pretty life. sad when he died, though, because I feel like, um, yeah. I don't think his, like, uh, his, um, his later albums get, uh, I mean, with the ex exception of Blackstar, because that was like a critically acclaimed album. Yeah. I don't think a lot of his, like, later albums from, like, uh, the, the 2000s, they're kind yeah. of like, really kind of relegated to obscurity but there's some like really good ah oh, there's one that he did in like 2003 that was just like way reality? underrated uh, reality one no it's uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna like um uh heathen heathen yeah that's the one yeah that that one was really good so that was 2002 it looks like yeah 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 there's a lot of like it it's it's almost like a good thing that I haven't listened to all of Bowie's albums because there's still new albums that I can discover for the first time. Like I'm not as fam I don't think I've ever listened to Heathen. I'm not super familiar with Reality. I've listened to Next Day a handful of times, but I don't know it super well. Yeah, the Next Day was pretty good. The Next Day was like more um, like classic, like glam rock almost. So yeah, yeah. I, I dig that album. Like, but uh, I remember when that came out. Uh, that was like um, first year university, and then that came yeah. out. And then it was like I, the answer to the cover is basically like the heroes cover, but it says the next yeah. day. Just for one day. 
Yeah. And then the next day. It was a good it was a good album. Good title. Solid. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. So uh last year I listened to a lot of uh the album Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Because that was one that I just didn't know as well, but it was like right sort of in an era of some good albums. Uh, so I just like decided that that would be the next album that I would get into. And I probably listened to it like a couple dozen times uh, during the summer last year. It's a yeah. good album. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's not one that I think of. I mean, it's got like Ashes to Ashes, which is one of my more favorite songs of Bowie, but it's not one that I think of if I was going to name like a top 10. I couldn't even name half of his albums, to be honest, probably because there's just so many. Yeah. But that that's not one that would be at the top of my mind, but I think is a worth worthwhile album. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've listened to that one, at least not from like start to finish. I definitely like the singles, like obviously Ashes to Ashes. And then like scary is on that one. Scary monsters and super creeps, like the song itself, and then yeah. Uh, There's a good song called "Teenage Wildlife" that I like. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's sort of bookended by "It's No Game," part one and part two. Um, and that's like a really, I really like those songs. Uh, they're, they're really like a, a a weird sort of a. I think there's like Japanese vocals or like a audio in uh in one of the parts uh it's really cool yeah cool track there's a lot of like like eastern influence in a lot of his music like there's uh i think it's an instrumental track off of heroes called moss garden and it sounds very kind of japanese uh i'm not sure i mean i haven't really done it like a lot of research into japanese like musical theory and stuff like that other than like they use like some form of the mm-hmm. pentatonic scale, but with like another uh, scale tone added. I, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but but uh, it sounds really like yeah. definitely influenced by like uh, uh, Japanese music. Uh, I, I've got I've made some discoveries in my uh, my deep dive into pop music. So uh, on Spotify, I just put on the playlist of the top hundred in Canada, but I imagine much of that's overlapping with what's hot in the states right now um probably the biggest i i will say the the most positive thing that i found from it is that post malone is like a proper good artist like i didn't know what his style of music was going into this um a couple weeks ago or probably a month ago at this point he did a, a live stream uh where he played a bunch of nirvana songs and uh, and it was like a fundraiser for the World Health Organization with all the COVID stuff. At the time of when I looked at the video yesterday, they'd raised like $5,300,000. Uh, and him and his band, I don't know if his his uh, musicians that were with him were from other groups. I wasn't really overly familiar with anyone other than I heard the name Post Malone before and knew what he looked like. But he fucking, he can, uh, his vocals for, you know, that style and even sounding dead on to. He, yeah, he yeah. sold it really well. I, I was surprised and, uh, by that. And I I, I thought that was uh, just uh, pretty good. Because like, uh, like you, I haven't listened to, like I had not at the time listened to like a lot of Post Malone other than the stuff that was like, uh, you know, just on the, you know, top 40s and the stuff that was like played on the radio and, and, and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, um, 
but I, I, I would say that uh, of his singles, he's made a lot better singles now than he had made like way back in like 2017, uh, mm. which was like, uh, you know, yeah. or like sushi from Japan and all that stuff. Like, you know, I, I was like, well, whatever, this is just mm. you know, run of the mill. But now he's making a lot of stuff that's like, you know, he, he's clearly developing as a yeah. as an artist and kind of like uh, getting his own kind of like unique artistic style. And I like that. So I, I listened to a bunch of his uh, his stuff in that top hundred playlist, um, and a lot of his stuff, his vocals are more like like there's an amount of auto tune that's being used. But when I heard the Nirvana live stream, like he's definitely got the singing chops to to do something a little more uh, stripped down, for lack of a better term. But uh, like I, I can see him being a musician where within the next several years as he does more and more stuff he he may uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he did something that's a little more uh yeah stripped down well i mean i think that's an aesthetic that a lot of uh, uh pop musicians are going to go for like it, it's definitely like it's one of the many emerging trends in pop music and i'm sure we'll talk about it once we get to the like uh yeah uh bangers and stinkers uh section uh but like yeah that that's a trend there's also the the 70s and 80s like revival trend yeah. that's going on and that, that's a big one because like everybody's doing it now which is like which is good because it separates like people who can do it well uh who can like appropriate sounds from the 80s without making it look too um anachronistic and yeah. those who are just like you know oh here's the 70s and the 80s like don't you like this like yeah. this is this is so cool right and it's like Sometimes it, it, my eyes kind of gloss over and it's like, yeah, like so many artists like Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson are, have done this like to death yeah. and like, you know, The Weeknd is doing it. Uh, although I, I dig The Weeknd, by the way, I stand The Weeknd. Yeah, I, I uh, heard uh, that's one of, uh, uh, I don't know if we want to go into bangers and stinkers right now, um, but that was one of the, the bangers that I pre-selected. He had a, a song called Blinding Lights, which I think came out a couple months ago, uh, maybe at the end of 2019. Um and uh, I, that was the, my first time hearing The Weeknd. Um, in my research, I learned that The Weeknd is a person and not a band, uh, <laughs> which I don't know if that makes the name better or worse. Like, it, it reminds me of, like, I, I was not a fan of The Edge from U2. Uh, and and okay. knowing that this person is The Weeknd, uh, I thought The Weeknd was a band. And, but but also, on, this, on the other hand, uh, The Weeknd being i assume one creative force behind the production of this rather than it being a band kind of does mm -hmm. give it uh a, a, another amount of of cred as it were yeah well i mean like well he's collaborated with, i mean i'm sure he has like you know there's like yeah probably like i, I don't 17 producer him credits. Every instrument or anything but uh yeah. him being uh, I guess better, like almost like Bowie. Like I don't really think of Bowie's bands or musicians working with him. I, I picture Bowie being the artist of his uh, of his own stuff. Yeah. And, like I, I thought the weekend was a band. Uh, even listening to that song, I didn't realize that he is a persona. I guess. Yeah. Well, the um, uh, I no, the weekend's always been one guy. Uh, uh, and he's uh, actually a Canadian fellow, and he's um, and he's definitely like shown quite a bit of uh, like development over his career. Like this, it's the same thing where it's like 
when he first began, I was like, yeah, here's another, like, he was like uh, a very good uh, Michael Jackson facsimile. Hmm. And now he's become like different from that. Like you can tell where his influences are. Like it's, yeah. it's it, like he, he wears them on his sleeve, but like the, uh, uh, the particular like style that he's going for, like, like I said earlier, like I alluded to, like, I feel like he uh, appropriates older uh, sounds but does it in a way that it's like you know this is not like an 80s like homage like it's a uh it's a new sound that uses a lot of like nostalgic uh yeah. textures and everything like that and that, that's the thing i dig yeah. and uh it's hard to say whether it's like my like one number one favorite but it's like either number one or number two on the top 100 right now like it's it, okay. it's up there yeah 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 that song slaps yeah it, it does indeed slap it goes. There's another article here uh, that I wanted to discuss, um, and it's it's from Complete Music Update. It specifically pertains to the music industry, the Canadian music industry. But mm. I'll kind of like go off a bit on like the music industry as a whole and the problem of like censorship. Yeah. Uh, there's web blocking is like blocking access to copyrighted materials directly through your ISP, mm. and uh, I'm a little like uh like torn on this because like first of all i think that the music industry like just has like way too much power to uh arbitrate what is a copyright violation and what is not a copyright violation yeah. and so um i know that in canada they actually have to like appeal to the supreme court in order to like have something blocked because hmm. uh i mean the isp doesn't have any like obligation to yeah. block something that's copyrighted like uh, usually it's the it's the actual like you have to take it to court and all that shit like if there's any like damages that needs to be uh, repaid or anything like that yeah but I wanted to talk about the relation of that is like the YouTube content ID system mm-hmm. now YouTube is a great place for music like most most of the time right yeah like I have uh, just just from like letting the algorithm kind of like uh, just go I I have discovered so many great like albums like jazz and like uh you know pop music and like a little more experimental stuff yeah and but you know the problem with uh with youtube is uh there's this thing called the content id system and i actually did a an essay on it in college the reason that i brought it up again is because i actually got one of my one of my albums demonetized by a record label uh uh that had claimed that there was copyrighted information and um, they had uh, uh, put a copyright strike on it to demonetize. And you basically have one chance to appeal. And the person that you appeal to is the record label. And what are they going to say? I'm like, no, of course not. We're going to demonetize your video and claim the, you know, uh, so, I'm not sure if they can actually claim the ad revenue. but Right. You know, that was, that's what I was wondering. Like, are they just like making money off of your album? Yeah, well, so... Uh, I don't actually know how it works, but I, I, I'm guessing probably like the thing is like the, the video probably has like a hundred views or something. So it's yeah. not like it's really it's bringing, like, yeah. Yeah. Making the, the, the big bucks. Yeah. The big like ad revenue. Right. But yeah. the, uh, the thing about it is that um, you have a lot, like if you're a copyright holder and the common ID system identifies that um, there's something out there that is violating a copyright uh, and the copyright, um, uh, it does not only necessarily apply to um, recorded content, but it includes like covers as well. It's because mm. a cover is a different type of uh, royalty. It's um, 
like an actual like writing credit whereas like a um the record company usually holds the recording rights which is like mm-hmm. the mechanical rights like the distribution rights yeah. and all that, all that stuff yeah. right uh so the record label like if they find that you use like one of their songs even like a snippet right um they'll they can they have the right to just like uh you know demonetize they they can demonetize they can monitor uh how um how many like like likes or views and get it gets yeah. or they can uh or they can just like i think a lot of times they can just like take it down like if you get a copyright strike yeah. a lot of the times they just like they would have you take it down and yeah. uh, i think for me in my case they they demonetized and then um, if you open the info section of a video that uh, has copyrighted material from a source, it says used with the permission of or used with license of or this music is licensed to or something like that. I don't know. It says it's on your album. Yeah. And so you can actually see if you go on and you see the YouTube video for um, 2015 to 2016, it's MMXV uh, like it's in Roman numerals because, you know, fuck numbers. Uh, uh, you can actually see that. Uh, I'm actually going on right now because, like, I want to see who it's licensed to. Is it the the Artifacts One full album? Yeah, actually, that's the one. Sorry, Artifacts One. Yeah, and uh, there's, so there's a copyright claim on it. Yeah, I see that. That's uh, Believe Music on behalf of Ma Ra Cash Records. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, I've never heard of this person before. Never sampled any. Like, I don't really sample uh, on a you know a normal day but like uh yeah and uh this so this is the thing is is that the thing that surprised me was that this is not like uh you know umg right this is not like a big uh you know holding company like this is not one of the major labels right but you know any label can just like do this and like obviously they're not going to take the time to like assess whether there's actual copyrighted material if the youtube content id system says that there's copyrighted material then they're going to demonetize, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is, I think, a problem because, like, what if you're using music uh, for like fair use or parody or satire, right? Right. Uh, the person that arbitrates whether or not uh, that you're actually using it for fair use or satire or anything like that is the person who is like uh, making the copyright claim to begin with, right? So they're not going to like, like, uh, you know, there's not going to be a person who's just like listening to every you know, uh, appeal, right? <laughs> right. There's not somebody you have to listen to like, oh yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, that guy's right and he's actually using it for educational purposes. So I'm just going to demon- not demonetize his video, right? So. And uh, I clicked the song that it's alleged to have taken, which has less views than your album at 104. Yeah. Uh, and it came out a couple months before yours yeah uh so it's really weird yeah so the youtube connor id system is a bit of a mess i'll give him a a thumbs down just to be safe (laughs) so now he has three up and one down oh no (laughs) it's a 25 percent dislike ratio and i'll give yours a thumbs up because i did like that album oh thanks man yeah, yeah. I, I I need it. I need the the uh, the, the, the support. <laughs> Thanks. But technically, Maybe... I'm supporting him by thumbs upping your video. Yeah. So yeah. He, well, actually, well, I mean, so he's like, now neutral again because I gave him an up and a down. Well, he like I mean, if he's like in the theoretical world where my video actually made money, 
uh, I, he would actually be making more money off my video <laughs> than his yeah. music, which is like, which is kind of hilarious. But anyway, yeah. Uh, that's one topic I want to talk about. I think I got most of the points out there that I yeah. wanted to address. Uh, is there anything in the news and commentary that you want to bring up? So I, I, I don't know how familiar you are with this uh, news story, but it seemed to appeal um, to your fascination with both pop music and boobs. Uh, Go for so, it. So the musician... Just just like, lay it all on me? Like yeah. Both yeah, the pop I'll... music and the boobs, lay it all on me. Yeah. I, I will uh, uh, lay them down, as they say. What is? What do you mean, my fascination with boobs? I mean, I you in particular. I think you'll really like it. But but you, you I think. I'll, I'll let me rephrase that. I don't think you'll like it. I think you'll have opinions about it. Okay. Do so, it. Uh, Do, 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 Doja Cat or Doja Cat? Um, <laughs> Doja I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that we'll not be discussing Doja Cat. It's like she'll come up. Yeah. Uh, so Doja Cat, uh, her song "Say So," um, I think at one point it was number one. Yeah, um, it was for sure. But leading up to it becoming number one, she had made a, a tweet on Twitter of uh, uh, if if her uh, I, I want to get it just right, so I'll, I'll pull up this article. We can uh, edit. Wait, was this the story where she accidentally showed her boobs on Instagram? No, this is a. Uh, the opposite of that. Mm. Um, so uh, on May 6th, she tweeted, if say so hits number one, I'll show you guys my boobs really hard. Uh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so then obviously it's like, it's never stopped her in the past. Like, like, so, okay. So she, uh, 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 she says that, you know, lots of people are uh, streaming the song. Uh, I, I saw a, a clip. Uh, I, I heard about the story on Philip DeFranco on YouTube, uh, and he showed a video where a guy had like like 10 different devices, like different phones, computers, uh, and he was playing the song. So lots of people were like aggressively trying to get this thing to number one for the boobs. Um. And then uh, she uh, she took it back. She said, "Oh, thanks for uh, getting number one. I'm not going to show you my boobs." Well, so there was and lots. I I think there was an amount of people not thrilled with that. I, uh, but I I guess I'm wondering, uh, your opinions of just of that reaction, of the reaction of, of her deciding not to do it, or of her pulling that move and then not delivering. I, I I'll say that I don't care yeah i don't care showed her boobs or not <laughs> but it's like so this is the thing like you can basically see her boobs in in say so so yeah I, like I, I like this is like uh if my video gets to number one or something i'll like uh you know publish another song or something like that like you know right. nobody, nobody gives a shit or i'll like you know i'll do a reddit ama like you know nobody yeah. gives a shit like uh even if she uh, had showed her like or showed her boobs it may have been like big news to some people but honestly like you know it's the internet i mean like how hard is it to find boobs like it's right uh you know but it's spoiler, more it's spoiler more alert it's easy yeah it, it is it is pretty easy it's very easy it's almost difficult not to and if i'm right and she did accidentally show her boobs on instagram then she is vindicated yeah 
I, I I'm just more uh, curious the the strategy of uh, of self promotion in that way. Does it feel like it's uh, cheating in a way? You know what I mean? Oh, oh, you mean like in order to like advance your own, uh, you know, advance your own clout and your uh, yeah song and like and to make a song it number one. It's like, like I would have been curious if that song would have gone to number one without that, because uh, I don't necessarily know that it would have been number one. <laughs> it's up there. Well, but I think like when you see like all the people that were interacting off of this, I wonder if that affected it. I, like, there's no way to really know, but. So two things. Uh, I'm glad that you brought this up because this will eventually segue into something that else I want to talk about. Uh, and uh, I would have to say that, uh, yeah, it's like kind of engineering your own success in a way, like using like, uh, like, I don't think, like, I agree. I think that it's definitely not a sign that even if it's like starts at number one or it's on number one for a few weeks, it's definitely not, you know, something that's like going to be on the charts for like a, like a long time. Right. Like it's, it's not like a Starboy or a fucking, uh, you know, a bad, bad guy, bad guy. Yeah, bad yeah. guy. It's not like a bad guy or anything. It's like no that. Old Town Road. Yeah, no, no. For like, so, so she kind of engineered her way up there, and you know, I mean, like, I don't care. I mean, you can yeah, use. I mean, it's a, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's like a promotional tool. The thing about Doja yeah. Cat is she's kind of like an actual shit poster, in a way. Like she's a, she's like. I think in her prime, she was making like meme music, like, and that's yeah. basically where she comes from, and that's I think the the appeal of her is that as she kind of engages with, um, uh, you know, the the Reddit culture. So yeah, uh, so her trolling, the the titty promise, what is is <laughs> on brand? Like that's her 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 thing. Like yeah. that kind of fits with who she is. It does, and like, I mean, it's kind of pathetic that it actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I mean, at some point I have to discuss my, my philosophical opinions of the, the whole simp thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, not sure if this is necessarily a good example of that. Um, I'm not uh, pro use of the term simp, but yeah. I am like, uh, I mean, like, it's really bizarre that so many people would just want to see like Doja Cat's titties, like li literally just fire <laughs> up Pornhub. Uh, and, uh, you can see somebody yeah. who probably looks a lot like Doja Cat with, uh, <laughs> you know, who is just like willing to uh, expose her tits without, uh, you know, having to listen to her song on repeat uh, in or, in, so that it gets up to number one. Right. So it's just yeah. like a like, I mean, OK, I guess like uh, I mean, I'm kind of like not surprised by this thing at all. But, but you know, I have kind of like divided opinions, but it's like but yeah, I would say. It's not uncharacteristic of her. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I listened to the song. Um, I, I heard the, the story of uh, of this from on the Philip DeFranco episode. Uh, and I Friend didn't know who Doja Cat was. I didn't listen to the song at that point. Um, but during my listening of the, the Top 100 playlist, the song came up and I didn't make the connection until afterwards and i thought and i so my opinion of the the song wasn't um uh influenced one way or the other by the uh the the titty gate if you want to give it a name <laughs> uh, but i thought it was an okay song it was a fun um kind of poppy uh 
song. I mean, it's not the best way to describe a pop song, but it was like the perfect, like I can picture that being on the radio for months and eventually people will hate it, but it'll have its, uh, its time in the sun kind of thing. Yeah, I listened to it and immediately I was like, oh, so another artist kind of like jumping on the, the bandwagon of like a disco and, uh, you know, funk kind of nostalgia. And like, you know, uh, the song is okay. Like, it's not like a bad song yeah. or anything like that. But um, uh, I was like, uh, of all the people who are doing like 80s nostalgia, like Dua Lipa and like uh, The Weeknd and Lizzo, they're all like doing it like... Uh, I mean, to to like different degrees yeah. of of efficacy, and like as as far as this one goes, like I was like not totally like blown away by it. Like I, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I think she's like you know, quote unquote charming, but like mm. and uh, you know, obviously the the video is going to like help with the appeal. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's like that's the same thing, right? Like her right. her like, appearance it, is branding, right? So, I, my opinion was that if movies were being made in 2020 this would be a song that's in a movie yeah that's what it felt like yeah like kind of like a, a fun young adult movie yeah but i see i don't think it's like a get lucky or anything like that where it's like no yeah but, but i think it's like you're kind of like jumping on the you know the train a little late now because i feel like you know, now that, you know, Daft Punk and like Mark Ronson and like all these other artists have already done it. I was, it's like a little, the novelty is a little less, you know, um, yeah. but you know, like still not a bad song. Not, not like a lot yeah. of her other like, uh, post moo songs. Yeah. It's, I, you sent me the moo song yesterday and I listened to a, a couple seconds of it. Uh, that's that and, and say so are the only two I've heard now. And yeah. I thought say so for what it was, for what it was going for. I thought it was a it was a good a good tune. Well, so uh say so is alright. Uh Moo I fucking dig because it's funny. <laughs> so the thinking the thing is, I I kind of re- regret the fact that she's not leaning into uh uh like meme culture as much yeah. anymore. Because like now that she's kind of gone big, she has to like be legit, right? And uh, a lot of her stuff, uh, she's like kind of transitioning out of like making more lo-fi stuff now. But th- see, the song Moo is like excellent in so many ways. Like it's uh, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, the video that goes with it is is funny, and it's like I love uh, the uh, the awkward like uh, obvious green screening and the mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and the fact that it's like. Uh, basically like a beautiful like lo-fi hip-hop song with like yeah. west montgomery samples but with like the most lewd <laughs> and like you know it's a meme song right yeah yeah and uh i just like i thought it was fucking hilarious and i just sort of like i wish more people would make like songs that are funny because yeah that immediately uh and funny and self-aware because mm-hmm. uh those two uh elements i feel like sell a pop song a lot more uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, and I think self-awareness is, uh, something that goes a, lo- a long way. I think it's one of the reasons why Billie Eilish is so popular and, uh, so successful. And I feel mm-hmm. like Justin Bieber, uh, falls short because like not only the, the like lack of like development over time, but also just like, just like a level of self-awareness of where his strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. Well, I mean, so- I have a more nuanced opinion of Justin Bieber, but, um, uh, that that's just like uh, an off the cuff thing. So uh, 
let me ask you this. Do you think that Justin Bieber does or would still perform Baby in 2020? No. Uh, see... Do you think he would do it, like, as a goof? Or would he, like, not do it at all? He just wouldn't touch that part of his career? <laughs> uh, I, like, I'm not sure was... if he can, right? Because, like, I mean, now he has more of, like, a, an almost, like uh like a tenor to alto range and that that that's like clear that's like such a soprano that's like that's like um i mean and if he like pitched it down a lot then maybe but like the thing is i think he has enough hits like post uh puberty to like um you know so you just think you won't do it because of the range you don't think like do you think he's proud of that song is like yeah i'll sing i'll sing baby I mean, like, I feel like if he could, then he would. I mean, there's nothing like, uh, the thing is, it's like, it was actually a, ma- a, hu- a successful song. Like, it was hugely successful. Right. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of like a meme, uh, a little ironically in its own right. And uh, so I feel like if he could, then he would, because it's like a massively successful song. And I think um, uh, the demographic, maybe the demographic of Justin Bieber has changed like very slightly, but like, right. I would say for the most part, He's still appealing to the same demographic, right? But uh, I'm I'm picturing Justin Bieber, the haircut. You know what I mean? The the whole video of Baby. Mm-hmm. I I feel like whether he's matured or not as a human, uh, his music has changed. At least from my limited perspective of what his music is and now. Oh well, yeah. What it was and now is. So I think the. Uh... I mean, there's a difference between developing as a, an artist and also like the the actual like the context and the musical uh, scene around you developing and having to like adjust to those trends. Uh, yeah. And I think Justin Bieber has adjusted definitely to those trends. Uh, like the song "Baby" is such a like a 2008 song or whenever the fuck it came out. I don't even remember. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, so I think if he if he can somehow, then he would. But the thing is that, um, you know, uh, as far as like longevity goes, I think he has enough stuff to like uh, that's like, you know, more contemporary that he can, uh, you know, lean into. Well, if he broke out Baby and that other uh, One Less Lonely Girl, if yeah. he broke out those two songs and released them as like a, a you know, create them to some sort of new style like the current day justin bieber covering the og beats i think that would be very interesting it would be Uh, something you know i like (laughs) i don't know if it would be good because i don't i was i'm not a uh i I didn't particularly enjoy either of those songs or nor have i heard what his current style is but (laughs) kind of like you know they sample every song uh, in one of my bangers and stinkers, I have one that sampled probably what was at one point the most famous song in the world, and Go spoil became it. a stinker. Yeah, I'm I'm spoiling it's a stinker because I I didn't like the song. Yeah, but I mean, I mean like don't don't spoil what's uh, um, the the next segment because like I want well, I want to hear you go off on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, regarding the Doja Cat thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, artificially. Uh, regarding artificially increasing your um, your plays and your uh, your outreach and stuff like that, uh, Justin Bieber. It's funny a lot. Apropos both topics, both mm-hmm. Justin Bieber and uh, you know 
uh, artificially uh, inflating your song's success. Yeah. Um, uh, Justin Bieber released that song Juicy, uh, which is a, a travesty uh, to uh, music, art, uh, culture, and humanity. <laughs> Juice. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like, uh, it's it's just like uh, kind of a, like a Justin Bieber not exactly at his best. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is that when he released it, um, uh, he released a message on TikTok. I think it was either TikTok or Spotify that said, um, uh, uh, play it while you're asleep. Like, just put it on. Uh, wow. Yeah, put it on a loop. Like, did you know about this, right? Uh, did you know about this? I didn't know. Okay, so what, what he basically did was that he, he sent a message to his followers that said, uh, like, put it on while you're asleep. Uh, just, you know, don't put it in a playlist with anything else. Just, like, put it on, uh, put it on repeat while, you know, while you're sleeping. And, uh, and I was like, what the fuck? This is some, like, reminded me of, like, Brave New World, where they, like, uh, indoctrinate you while you while you're sleep. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like uh, something out of an Aldous Huxley thing. And then I, like, yeah. then I clued into the fact that, oh, you know, he just wants it to be uh, put on repeat uh, yeah. so that, you know, it could be number one. It's like Justin Bieber, I mean, just, like, basically told you to, to, to artificially increase his, uh, you know, his plays. Like, at that point, you can just can't you just buy plays on YouTube and, and, you know, Spotify and shit like that? Why doesn't he just buy views? Uh, like it, it, what's the difference at that point? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that he'll probably be like, Oh, that's, it's cheating to, to buy the plays when people are actually listening to it. Well, yeah, that's the but thing. It's like, it's, it's at like, that point. There's not really any difference other than he's doing it cheaper. That's the thing. It's like, it's marketing, but it's not even like effective marketing. Like it's so overtly, like either, either it's weird or it's like, uh, you know, just, uh, manipulative. Well, like he could, he could say like, Oh, my, my song was played a billion times about 200 million of those people were actually listening to it. Yeah. And like I think that's, that just takes the, it just, it's just inflating it. It's, it's just like a, uh, it's just a, I, I don't approve of that. Yeah, but he if, wanted if to he get gets, it to number one. If all he wanted was a number one, then, I mean, he thought of a great way to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I'm not I, sure. I wouldn't do it. It's just that, like, I mean, being so overt about it, like, very, like it's it's almost as if, like, they just gave up on marketing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, just fucking, uh, just, like, mute your computer, put it on repeat, <laughs> You know, like go yeah. make a sandwich, go have a cup of coffee and then come back. And then, you know, that's that's all we need from you. Yeah. It's like that's just like literally all we need. And then, uh, you know, then you're a true believer, like only true believers uh, listen to, uh, you know, like indoctrinate themselves into, uh, you know, loving Justin Bieber while they sleep. So. I mean, that's what I want to talk. I just like, I, I just thought that this was like, see, the thing about Doja Cat, at least, at least she had like an incentive to artificially inflate her plays. Whereas mm-hmm. Justin Bieber was just like, fucking put it on while you sleep and just hit mute. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I think he said hit mute. comes on anyways. I, I, I do think he wanted people to listen to the song, but like, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I, he would have given a fuck whether people actually liked it. He just wanted it to be, ta- he just wanted it to be number one on yeah. Billboard, so. I don't approve of that, but I mean, he was going for a different approach than I would have. Like my approach with music is that, you know, we've discussed this before where it's quality, not quantity kind of thing Yeah. of listeners, but he wanted quantity and I 
And like, if that's his thing, then he did it very well. He did it very smart. Well, Justin Bieber, I mean, as, as far as like quality of the fandom goes, I mean, I don't think he's like, uh, he is deficient in any way in that regard. Because, uh, when I like, said quality, I mean like of his, say a billion plays. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. It, you know, only a percentage of them are legitimate where he's going for the quantity of them rather than. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I guess I might as well just talk about my opinion about Justin Bieber. Like, so this is what I think in general about any high profile person, right? I think that um, uh, if they're like generally like acclaimed, uh, then you should take them down a notch so that they like are, so that they're like a little more like on the same plane uh, as everybody else. Like it humanizes them to take them down a notch. But if they're like too uh, maligned, like Justin Bieber is, then I feel like we should acknowledge his strengths a bit in order to like yeah. bring bring him up, like in order to like equalize a bit. And the thing about Justin Bieber uh, is that he actually is properly talented. Like he is a really like talented person. Now his weakness lies in that he just doesn't develop artistically, or if he does, it's like very seldom. And it's like, mm. uh, I mean, he's you know been with some interesting collaborators like he famously collaborated with uh skrillex and diplo uh which is an interesting crossover i think uh but uh i think overall it's that um you know he has never like uh taken the time like uh you know ah what's a good example somebody who's like kind of like dipped out of the spotlight for a little while and then like developed their sound a bit So there's a, a slight, there's a scale of pop music that goes from like pleasant and surprising. Like uh, when you uh, find a good pop song, it's like um, it's like you've been drinking like Tim Hortons coffee all your life, and then you finally drink like a proper good cup of coffee, and you're like, oh, this is what good coffee tastes like, right? Yeah. Uh, that's like for me, that's pop music. Pop music is coffee. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's like really garbage coffee, like, you know, the no name brands, like uh, instant coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's like, that's like, you know, Florida Georgia line or like a lot of the, the shitty like collaborations that you hear sometimes. Uh, like, like all of the attempts to like fuse country with like hip hop and all that stuff. Right. Uh, the, the like awkward non-starter projects. Uh, just some of like the the sheer trash you see <laughs> on the top 100. Yeah. Fucking uh, uh, not Gucci Mane. Fucking what's his name? Gucci. Gucci Gang. The song. It's just like the you know it's it's trash, but it's like it's almost like that's different. Where it's almost like so trash that it's like it's funny in its own right. So th- right. it has merit. No, yeah, I get that. So yeah, that's the scale of pop. Like, but I would say most of it is kind of in the middle, where it's like, it's just like, yeah, you know, it just doesn't, it just fails to yeah, impress like, me. Uh, I I will say in my listening, uh, at least half of the stuff that I heard was that mid tier of like, yeah, okay, like I like I didn't want to turn it off, but it's like I it didn't make enough of an impression of me to look into it more. Whereas some of them made me look were, were good enough that I did look into them more. Um, or they were bad enough that made me want to look into them more. Yeah, like um, uh, Takeshi Six Nine, like the the one that he has. I think it's number two or three right now. It's mm-hmm. and it's number three uh, on the top one hundred is the song Gooba, right? Right. And that song just like it's with most like trap based music is that it's just like, eh, like it just fails to impress me. 
it's it's not that it's like right. bad bad or anything or just or it's like uh you know it's lazy or it's like you know anything like that it's just that it's like it just has like a uh you know a numbing effect on me it's just like oh this is music i guess yeah it's rated and was he in jail for a bit am i confused with someone else or was he the guy that was in jail for a bit yeah he like, went to jail return uh he went to jail and he snitched on some other guys and you know what happens to oh, snitches yeah, yeah so so he uh this was his return to music after jail like i never heard of his music before this was the only song of his that I'd heard. Yeah. Um, so I'm not coming into it from the perspective of a fan. It's like, this is all I have in reference to who he is. And I thought, like, I didn't, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a song. Uh, it didn't really, uh, I think that if it was a regular song that came out without it being like his return to music, it probably wouldn't have been a high ranking song. I think the context of him having, not been able to do music for at least whatever time I don't, it wasn't even that long that he was in jail or anything but yeah he um, used to be called takeshi 69 uh, and uh he i'm not sure how long he's been high profile for i think mm-hmm. this is probably the peak of his commercial success thus far but uh so it's of a genre like the uh takeshi like this song in particular gooba is a trap song but it's like it's also categorized under reggaeton which is, uh, I guess, like a style uh, of electronic music, dance music that's influenced a little bit by reggae and, you know, uh, yeah. uh, has some Caribbean influences as well. And the thing about reggaeton, I didn't know what separated it other from like other forms of uh, like electronic dance music for a little while. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing about reggaeton uh, is that it's actually categorized by that, like that almost like a polyrhythm type thing that, you know, that you hear all the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, but like apparently, like that's one of the characteristics. Like uh, a lot of the reggaeton that I listen to, like like investigated, is like kind of characterized by that rhythm, which I think is interesting because it's like a lot of genres are characterized by their rhythm or their harmony or something like that. And uh, uh, I learned something. I mean, I'm not sure if I'll ever listen to reggaeton again, but I'm that you know that's yeah. one of the characteristics. Yeah, like my impression of it was that if you are the kind of person that really, really was a big fan of his, you probably thought that was, like, a, an amazing song. Yeah, probably. Like, I, I, you know, I don't know his music, so, like, it's not like, oh, man, the new whatever his name is song came out. <laughs> I can't remember. It was 6ix9ine is all I remember. Yeah. Which his name, the spelling of it, I told you about how there was the big misstep with his name where it's spelled 6 i x the number nine i n e but he could have just done six i x because of roman numeral nine yeah uh it would have been a cool stylistic thing but he missed out yeah or if he capitalized the i x it would be a little more apparent but yeah i think i think most of (laughs) i'm gonna be a dick here i think most of his fans would probably not get the reference (laughs) (laughs) shit I really hope you don't like to get. I really hope uh, the people who are listening to this, if there, if there's anybody who's going to listen to this podcast, uh, I really hope that you uh, have ice on hand so that you can apply it to that burn, because (laughs) that was a fucking you know like nuclear take there. You got him. I'm going to be dissing certain fandoms. Like I'm going to be coming after the country music fandom a lot. (laughs) 
eventually got to do my prepared statement on the country music. So are are we about? Well, I do have one more news-ish thing, but it's a quick one. Good um, so uh, Roger Waters uh, in 2017, I guess he did the tour "Us and Them," mm-hmm. uh, and he has he made like a similar to when he did the Wall. He made he made like a sort of documentary live music film type thing mm-hmm. um and it, uh, it's coming out on digital release in uh, a couple weeks i think it comes out in june um it has uh, i think it has a bunch of songs from dark side of the moon obviously us and them being one of them uh, i think there's also some songs from a couple of his solo albums and maybe even some songs written specifically for this show um if it's anything like what the wall uh movie documentary whatever you want to call it if it's anything like that i think it'll be a worthwhile uh musical experience wait so is it actually analogous to like the wall like the animated one or not the animated but like the one the one with bob Uh, geldoff so the 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 wall one was uh uh like i saw Roger Waters' The Wall in concert uh, in, I think, 2009. And then a couple of years ago, this documentary came out. I keep calling it a documentary because this when we, we went to theaters and saw it, and it was an actual documentary where it did have performances of all the songs from the album like that they would have done in concert. But there was also like these documentary segments um, in between a bunch of the songs, sort of providing... Um, it, it's, and most of the time it was just following Roger Waters, um, as he's, you know, living his life or like talking with his kids or, uh, he's talking in one clip, he's talking to a, a bartender in a bar kind of thing. Just little things, more of a, who Roger Waters is and the context of, of when he was writing the wall and why he decided to bring it back and stuff. But then they re-released, I think it's a, a an edited version of that. I remember it being on Netflix or it was for the most part, it was just the performances. Like they cut down a lot of the documentary stuff, so it's more like a concert film. That sounds uh, kind I'm, of I'm, I'm guessing that this "Us and Them" will mostly be a concert film, or at least this release of it will be. Um, and then uh, they also released uh, like an album on disc, digital, and vinyl. And I think we got my dad a copy of the the vinyl of the wall live album i think it was like a three disc thing um so i'm looking forward to that because i uh, i thought about trying to get tickets to one of the shows for us and them a couple years ago but i really didn't want to travel to do it like i could like i think there was one in ottawa and then there might have been one in toronto but i didn't really feel like going out of london like if it came if it came to london i would have gone but uh like when we went to see the wall, we went to Toronto to see it. Yeah. And I generally don't like going to Toronto because a hundred percent of my experiences with Toronto are going to Toronto for a couple hours to see a concert and then driving home. And it's such a pain in the ass that it makes me have this bad association with Toronto. Yeah. Well, um, it's like, that's the same thing for me too, is because like, uh, you know, Ottawa is a, is a big city. Like it's, uh, just over a million people now but but you know it doesn't have any like uh like mid-sized venues so you get like huge artists like um i mean like somebody like roger Waters is pretty high profile so he yeah. may come here but um 
a lot of like mid-level acts just like skip Ottawa entirely. Like a lot of bands, like I'm sure if like the Foo Fighters came, uh, actually the Foo Fighters were pretty good, but like yeah. if, uh, I don't know, just like a band, like, uh, I don't know if like Radiohead came to like, or did like a tour or something like that, they would just skip Ottawa entirely. Like they go to Toronto, maybe Montreal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ottawa just does not have the kind of venue to host that kind of uh, artist. Like you're either like a ridiculously high profile artist like Elton John who came yeah. here last year, uh, or you know there's no it's just no well, not all mid sized venues and it hasn't changed a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, for the past several years, like nobody's just like gonna you know builds like I'm sure that if somebody did there would be a a demand for it, but I think it also has to do with. Um, you know, the availability of like a space that would be uh, mm-hmm. appropriate for that. And also the fact that Ottawa, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, laws concerning like, like noise and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, like, I know that uh, Blues Fest, which is probably the biggest festival that goes on uh, every year, uh, is like hit with noise complaints, like constantly, because it's like in the worst spot that you can have a festival. Like it's, it's in mm-hmm. Lansdowne Park, which is uh, right next to... Uh, quite a few apartment complexes and you can hear blues fest from uh they're probably within like a kilometer radius or something ridiculous like that yeah uh, just because it's so fucking loud and it's lansdowne park is uh you know it's not uh a sparse area like there's um uh there's a lot of uh, uh residential areas around there yeah but i will say with the wall um that one definitely like I couldn't picture that being in Budweiser Gardens in London, because uh, it's just such, uh, it, it's almost like the stage itself is so essential for that because they literally build the wall during the show, and have like these huge projectors on it at certain points, um, like it it really needed the big venue for it. I don't know what us and them really looked like in terms of uh the presentation of it I, I imagine because it's roger waters and it was like a big deal to be revisiting uh, and doing a similar show to the wall that it was more than just him and a band on a stage and the fact that there's a this film coming out i think it's definitely more than just a band on a stage um and also like he'll he probably has like the pig flying around he had that during the wall even though it wasn't animals uh but he brings the pig around uh so i'm 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 imagining the venue for certain artists i mean specifically roger waters but uh depending on what kind of presentation it is the venue is definitely an important uh factor of where they're choosing to go so i I was okay with going to toronto for that one because there's no way that that could have existed at that scale in london i mean i'm not like super into roger waters just as like a you know an entity in himself just like more so pink floyd like I yeah I, like it I will say it was very much like it was like note for note the wall you know what I mean yeah. like it was it didn't feel like this was Roger Waters changing it because he didn't think the wall was perfect already mm-hmm. it was him like like bringing it to the new generation uh and kind of you know like a lot of it uh there's themes uh, in the original uh cuz Roger Waters I think his dad died in World War 1 uh or i don't know maybe it was world war Two. i don't know uh but the whole daddy's flown across the ocean kind of thing um they, they they had a lot of that with like the sort of modern uh soldiers and families that 
that are going through that. So like they did, they touched on that and like sort of made that more of a modern theme that I felt worked for that version of the wall. Um, and they, when they had the wall all built, they project the, uh, the trial video, like the animation from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's basically singing in sync with the, uh, the characters on the screen. Uh, so that was very satisfying. So did you want to proceed? Cause I think we've been recording for a little while now, like an yeah. hour and 16, we, we, like a lot of it's going to be edited, obviously. Yeah. 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 But, um, uh, did you want to proceed to the, uh, bangers and stinkers section? Yeah. Bangers, bangers and stinkers. Bangers v stinkers. The, where we put the top songs against each other and their, uh, which ones are good and which ones are not that good. And Brilliant. Some, nah, no, no, no. I like that. That's fucking hilarious. Let's do that. <laughs> some of them are banging. Some of them not as much. But maybe they're, stinking. They're, they're maybe, there may be some odor attached to them. <laughs> I've got one that I, I that frustrated me for a few different ways. Do it up. Uh, I, 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 I alluded to it previously, but... Uh, Okay, so in my listening to the top 100, uh, a song came up uh, with that opened with uh, the Macarena. So the Macarena, which at the time was probably a, one of the biggest songs in the world, it kind of, this song very heavily leans on the fact that the Macarena is like the, the hook to the song, which I don't like because if the Macarena wasn't, the cultural phenomenon that it was, the song would be nothing. <laughs> um, so the intro is, uh, you know, the that main like, uh, I I don't I can't sing the language, and then goes hey Macarena, and then it goes there's like a loop. I don't think it's from the song Macarena, but it's you know just a generic loop, and then a guy rapping. Uh, so Tyga is the name of the artist that does this song. is called A hey, Macarena. If that wasn't clear. Mm. Uh, and he sings or raps uh, some generic rap lyrics. Um, I pulled up the lyrics to to give you a, a sample. Um, there's there's some n words in here that I'll, I won't be singing, but there's a line that goes, "Bitches on my dick." Told him, "Give me one minute." Um, the uh, one of the the more highlighted parts of the song that I thought was very not good. I love uh, when people just like read lyrics. So yeah. here we have uh, "bitches on my dick." Uh, yeah, and then later, <laughs> later it goes, "bitches on my stick," but my name, my name ain't Harry Potter. She lick it up, make it disappear, like Tada. She asked me for some dollars. <laughs> now that bitch get nada, and I'm in this bitch for my click what i'm a throw 20 racks on this bitch what three phones on my lap rolled on my back uh the next line i won't read because there's an n-word in it i uh, look like someone that i used to know uh undefeated with the bitches i'm invincible the main thing is i didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> we're clipping that the the bitches on my dick was the uh the the line that stood out the most and that's like just because it's a very generic like 
yeah, it's about fucking bitches and uh and the Macarena. That's all it had to it. It's about casual the song was Macarena, which made the Macarena not as good, which not that the Macarena itself as a listening song is good. It's more of a dance uh choreograph song. But this song didn't add anything to that. And I didn't like it. I've seen worse rhymes. Like I, I feel like I haven't I, heard... I didn't have a problem with the rhymes. I just thought like this it was a nothing song that was leaning on the the uh identity of Macarena. Yeah. It, it, if the Macarena didn't exist, this song wouldn't be anything. It would just be another you know, another rap song that just was kind of eh. Yeah. And I think about that a lot when it comes to sampling in music where it's like, would the song be as good if that sample wasn't already in a good song? Yeah. You know I, mean? I feel like, um, uh, and I think that's, that's a fine approach in general. Like that's, I don't, I've never sampled anything when I do music, but if that's their thing where they're like, some people are really good at finding obscure samples that like, Oh man, I would have never heard that otherwise. But at the same time, it's like, well, they didn't, write that yeah but like that's the style of the song so it's kind of like okay if that's what the song is it's good at being what it is it's just that's not what i'm into yeah i mean like it's it's totally depends on like how you use the sample like i've seen some really good and inspired sampling like um there's an album uh called game theory by the roots and it has some of the best sampling it's a hip-hop album the roots Mm -hmm. is a hip-hop group um And uh, it has some of the coolest uses of sampling. And uh, the thing about sampling is that um, a lot of the times it's done so um, inconspicuously. Like, this is something that I wanted to discuss about Old Town Road. I think a lot of people probably who are in the know uh, know this already. But Old Town Road actually samples a Nine Inch Nails instrumental. Uh, Oh. Yeah, so uh, Trent Reznor published this album called Ghosts 1 to 4, which is actually a, a... atmospheric kind of like ambient uh, album i mean stuff that you would typically hear on a nine inch nails record but without trance vocals and it kind of like was a chance for him to experiment with various textures and stuff like that and what the uh the so-called actually well it is a banjo the the banjo riff in hotel road was actually sampled from that instrumental album and uh i actually didn't know that until recently i was like damn that's interesting uh, I would never thought that a pop, like just because uh, the uh, it's such an obscure like track, like a lot of sampling in pop music is with some pretty high profile music, like obviously the Macarena, like mm-hmm. you said, everybody knows. Right. The uh, but my 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 thing is like the difference, like you only just finding out that that was a sample from a Nine Inch Nails song, where uh, as far as I know, you're at least somewhat familiar with their music. Mm-hmm. whereas everyone is familiar with the Macarena. Yeah. And it was obvious from the the second, the song starts as just straight up the Macarena. Yeah. So it's, it's like, Oh, I'm already thinking of a song. Not that I think listening to the Macarena, not doing the dance is like an activity. A lot of people do, Yeah, but they're like, Oh, now the, it, it becomes a less good song after the good song starts. Yeah. Well, there's like, there's that and like a lot of artists like just straight up uh sam- like they'll sample or they'll actually like uh you know repeat a chorus ah oh, like i can't remember the, the you know the song that goes uh um, what you say yeah. that like they just like they i'm not sure if they, they actually i think they sampled that one but they basically just like copied the 
the chorus like word for word and then they just like the other verses around that were just all rap uh and then they added some like ad libs and other things like around the chorus Mm -hmm. but um it's like well the thing about that like that's the chorus of the song like that's the thing that you wait for when you're listening to the song and you're listening and you're waiting for it and you're hearing the uh the chorus from another song (laughs) yeah so it's like you're just listening to that song or it's like um when uh when Kanye, uh, well, I, I'd say this is probably like a better example of sampling, but when Kanye sampled uh, Harder, Faster, Stronger by uh, Daft Punk, yeah. and I think he did it a little, like, it wasn't inconspicuous, but the thing about that, at least, was that the uh, the Daft Punk sample was at least um, there as more of like a, a supporting uh, vehicle to his rapping and, and, to, and to the right. chorus, because there is a... A wrapped chorus it's like that 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 don't kill me that only makes me strong right so it's like yeah. the um sample is repurposed as an instrumental that works to complement the the chorus uh mm-hmm. and that's why i feel like sampling works better when it's done a little more inconspicuously like that yeah. in my in my opinion uh, i i i am of the same opinion yeah i will say the uh in a, a single defense of this song i watched the video the music video and it's very much based off of the scene in Jim Carrey's The Mask, uh, when he's at the nightclub and he's in like that uh, that yellow suit and he's like dancing around with Cameron Diaz. Yeah, it's basically that scene is the music video. There's a few other like locations, but that's like the main one. And I, I don't necessarily think that that sort of uh, sampled Macarena song goes with that style of like the Latin big band nightclub setting. Watching the video made me want to watch The Mask more than it made me like <laughs> the Macarena. <laughs> it, it makes me want to go listen to that, like that, uh, you know, that that upbeat swing of uh, uh, from that scene in The Mask. Well, the, um, that's funny because like <laughs> this song only makes me want to listen to better music. <laughs> Or watch a Jim Carrey film, but like, yeah. so so this is um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because like, um, I will be talking about music videography sometimes because I think it's like an interesting thing too because there's a lot of trends in music videos that are uh, worth discussing as well because I think music yeah. videos are like one of the biggest vehicles for promoting a single. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a lot of doing that exact thing where you're referencing either a specific film or a genre of film. Uh, within a music video um the song uh fancy which is an old song it's came out in i would say 16 or 15 uh it's by Iggy azalea and it features charlie xcx who i will definitely be talking about later in this podcast that song or that video is is in the style of i was i think it's clueless uh and i obviously i didn't know that because i haven't seen clueless but i mean there's a mm-hmm. lot of um other examples of just like outright referencing uh like either genres of film or like specific films uh i know that um if you see the music video for or the music videos for a lot of the the newer uh weekend tracks off of uh his most recent lp uh they're all in like the style of a 1970s uh crime film like it it reminds me a lot of the aesthetic of casino Mm -hmm. the martin scorsese film and like i mean i not in just the fact that he's actually like at a casino, but you know, yeah. So I, there's a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, purposeful homage to like specific films or specific film genre within like music videos. 
there was a uh, a Drake music video in the past couple of years where I uh, I think it was like him going to a school dance, but it was like the cast of Degrassi with him. Oh yeah, because because Drake was on Degrassi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Jimmy. He got shot. Spoiler alert! <laughs> but he was in a wheelchair, and he could also rap in the show Wait, too. Was he in a wheelchair after he got shot or before? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you after he got shot. <laughs> Like that was like the you know the big turning point of his character when he had to be in a wheelchair for the rest of the show. <laughs> he was in a wheelchair before he got shot, and then he was just walking after. <laughs> it was a miracle. The uh, gun, but... the gunshot, like provided like support for his limbs. <laughs> the the best part about Drake's career is that it's good to see Jimmy walking again <laughs> and dancing a lot in many cases. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about the Tootsie Slide? Because like I have not a lot about to, to say about it. It's just um, like another dance fad, to be honest. Yeah, it seemed like he also wanted a Macarena. But yeah. he at least had the courtesy of writing it himself. Or, I mean, who knows if he wrote it, but he didn't steal the, no, the no. Tootsie Slide from anything. The Tootsie Slide, well, I mean, it was like... Is it div- to- Tootsie? I think like it's Tootsie. Tootsie I think Tootsie... So the Tootsie was actually named after the choreographer who made the dance, who is a collaborator with drake i think okay uh i'm not sure if it's a reference to if it's an original name or whether it's actually it's a not, reference to his name but you're saying tootsie like tootsie roll uh i think so i think that's how it's said i i've okay. that's in every commentary on it that i've seen it's always said as in tootsie like tootsie roll i think yeah okay i, I like tootsie rolls the tootsie yeah, pops right. rather really fucking sticky i just like something about sticky food that i just well, like. i like the the tootsie pops like the the sucker oh yeah yeah those are like right. where it's got like the tootsie roll in the middle on the stick so yeah it's like you're not getting all sticky from it. you're just eating a sucker yeah i could, I could take it or leave it i don't know about that it's like <laughs> well, what's what's, our, what's in the, that this is where we uh are, differ for the first time of opinions on this podcast yeah tootsie rolls <laughs> <laughs> this is an important point of contention and it will yeah. it will lead to a further schism in our friendship. No, I was kidding, but uh, so this is another thing where I feel like um, TikTok will be an effective vehicle. Like TikTok is like such a Zoomer thing where it's like I'm not like I just don't get it, uh, and I probably will never uh, get it. I th- I still think that you could probably use it effectively mm-hmm. uh, as a marketing tool, even if you don't necessarily make pop music. Like yeah. you could use it to make something really interesting. I think uh, like there so- there were definitely songs in my playlist that i heard that sounded like they were specifically written so that like there was like a section that could be used as a good tiktok like there were yeah. a few that were like that where it's like oh i can picture this being a tiktok trend yeah well i mean like a lot of artists now and i'd uh we'll talk about this when we talk about other uh when i talk about other pop songs uh but they'll whoever compiles or edits the video will actually take compilations of people who ha- are on like platforms like TikTok, and they will like edit those into the video, and that will be the music video essentially. Yeah. Um, and if you don't mind, I actually like to talk about that because um, one thing I've noticed, especially during the quarantine, is the use of the outsourced video, is what I'm calling it. I'm coining that right now, and uh, I expect uh, my compensation in royalties. Uh, but the, the first time I noticed it was with uh, Charlie XCX, the song, um, what's it called? Uh, feelings basically it's a compilation video of not only her own home videos but a whole bunch of other home videos 
and um, it's edited in such a way. Obviously, like nobody's making big, big ass music videos now because like it's quarantine and uh, you know it's uh, everybody's at home. Uh, I noticed that Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande did the same thing, where they uh, edited you know content not from themselves, not not just from themselves, but from a lot of other people. So they kind of like outsource the video in a way, and it's basically just like home video footage. You know, I've actually seen this done like quite a few times now, uh, where it's basically like a an, an outsourced video. So that's like an interesting trend. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that will just like be something that is uh, kind of emblematic of the quarantine, or whether that's something yeah. that will uh, exist, uh, continue to uh, you know propagate after the uh, quarantine is uh, done with. But mm-hmm. I thought that's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, most of the time. I, I just don't like like it because I liked I like videos that are well choreographed if, if it's like a dance thing or like yeah. you know shot uh, you know and it looks like planned and well lit and interesting like uh, like the video for blinding lights or any of the videos that you know for like Billie Eilish and it's that or any like you know Lizzo. so I'm not personally a fan of the outsource video I just thought it's interesting to comment on that yeah yeah I think I I think it'll probably in this form, it'll exist during the quarantine. Uh, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we see videos kind of like that will be a genre of video in the future. Um, but I think people, musicians, I mean, like the high production value music videos as well. Like I, those songs that did that probably would have done a big music video had they been able to at this time. Yeah. Speaking of the justin bieber and ariana grande track um this was one of the tracks i feel kind of middle of the road about so i'm not probably going to talk about the song a lot in itself uh there's a youtuber named charles cornell that did a really good breakdown of it and he kind of like suggested ways of oh, improving yeah, yeah. i it. love that guy yeah he's really good uh a uh, friend of the show and uh <laughs> and he uh uh and here's charles cornell now to, to tell us about <laughs> Yeah, we'll just speaking of outsourcing, we'll just get him to explain. So the uh, he basically explains like ways in which like the song is like kind of you know like uh, run of the mill and ways of that they could have improved it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I want to talk about specifically pertaining to this song is the return of uh, the duop rhythm and how mm-hmm. it like um, it's used a lot in like love songs now. The the uh, and this is not necessarily a love song, but um, uh, the song Je- uh, Jesse Reyes, the song Figures, which I heard all the time because I used to work at a music theater. Um, so it was definitely like a 2015 to 2016 era song. That song had a doo-wop rhythm as well, where it's like, and it's like you have like um, like a chord, like a sharp kind of chord on the uh, on the second uh, dotted quarter note of the of the bar. So right. Uh, which is um, it's cool I mean like it's kind of cool that people are looking backwards now in order to kind of gain influence but anyway that's one example uh, I always forget the dude's name uh, but... Justin Bieber <laughs> no 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 no, not him uh, you could never forget but uh, Taylor Swift and uh... oh, Justin no 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 not Justin Bieber uh, I actually like this guy like a little more than uh, it's like Eddie Suarez or something. No, it's um, he's got like a like a last name like Cruz or something. 
Ted uh, Cruz. <laughs> yeah, the the Taylor the Taylor Swift and Ted Cruz single. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Simon Suarez. No, wait. Oh, why do I keep? I'm gonna Google it because I I don't know why, but I always fucking forget this guy's name. I searched Taylor Swift Simon, and the autocomplete is Cowl. No, that's not him. Okay. Uh, he's younger, and more attractive than Simon Cowell. <laughs> I search uh, Taylor Swift Cruise, and there's a I can see a photoshopped picture of of Taylor Swift with a sad Ted Cruz next to her. <laughs> Ted Cruz, yeah, he he's like he's also ascended to meme status right now. I'm surprised that when I searched the song Lover, it didn't come up. The song is called Lover, right? Uh, and uh, it featured... I don't know why I keep forgetting the dude's name. He's the guy... Uh, Have mercy on me. Take it easy on my heart. You know that song? Um, no. Sean Mendez. Oh, that's it. Sean Mendez. Yeah, Sean Mendez. Uh, uh, who fucking knows, dude? But uh, I don't know why I keep forgetting his name. There's certain names that just like... They don't like embed themselves into my brain, uh, yeah. but not everyone is the Beebs. Yeah, he just doesn't have the name rec- name recognition. He never will. Uh, but Taylor Swift and Sean Mendes did a song called "Lover," which uses the same compound times or compound uh, meter, and it's doo-wop. it's basically like a duop thing as well. But it's with a, there's a little more orchestration, and there's also yeah. a little more uh, like overt reference to duop because their vo- voices are like soaked in reverb as well, which I thought was a cool you know homage like the the song i could actually take it or leave it itself but the arrangement is uh pretty interesting uh there's that and then there's uh the song as well so i'm seeing definitely a trend uh of like specifically with like love songs or more sentimental songs uh being kind of referential to doo-wop right yeah i heard the song um i didn't watch the video with it which i feel like i should have watched with the uh outsourced video component tm yeah, well, there's a lot of their their own video in, in there as well, where Ariana Grande uh, has like you know videos with her dog, or like Justin Bieber in his like big ass house with his girlfriend and that kind of thing. But like a lot of it is like has footage of other you know home videos as well. Yeah. So the question is, Aiden, is this a banger or is this a stinker? Uh, the uh, stuck with you. Yeah. Uh, I would lean towards uh, stinker. The, I mean, like really? it's mid, it's middle of the road, really. Right. Like the the only reason why I wanted to bring it up was to talk was to like uh, do like a self masturbatory yeah. oh, uh, diatribe about doop, and yeah. you know any excuse to talk about doop, uh, I'll do it. I'll do up. I've got a song I can talk about. Do it up. Uh, so this came up in my playlist. My second experience with Post Malone after the Nirvana live stream that he did. A song called take what you want which features uh ozzy osbourne in it yeah which i thought was an interesting my perception of not knowing anything about post malone i i thought that ozzy was an interesting person uh because i listened to this playlist while i was uh doing the dishes so i couldn't check the artist of the song right away so i didn't realize it was post malone but i recognized ozzy's voice and the song sounded reminiscent of like heavy rock that ozzy is from like solo Ozzy or like Sabbath? Um, I couldn't tell you the difference between either. Like I, I've, I wasn't a huge follower of either Sabbath or Ozzy. Okay. I, I, I know him by reputation, but it sounded like, like I, I would have believed 
Ozzy would make this song, other than the fact that Post Malone and another rapper that I don't know his name are in the song. But like it, the there was like a it was a really cool like rock arrangement. It felt like a very kind of had that that lyrical darkness that I would expect in a Sabbath or Ozzy song. Uh, there was a kick-ass guitar solo in there. Uh, yeah. It sounded like a cool. It sounded like a rock song, and I liked that. It's. It felt like like I don't know what Ozzy does in the present day. I don't know if he still has music coming out or anything like that. Does he still have like self-awareness uh, as well? Like, I mean. I think that that it's been a long time. I have to congratulate days. Ozzy Osbourne on not being a vegetable right now because that's an accomplishment for him. I'm yeah. I'm wondering what he's doing if he's doing like crossword puzzles or like Sudoku. So or... uh, apparently he has an album released in 2020, came out in February. Black Sabbath had an album in 2013. Yes, I remember that. Um, and then Ozzy had another album in 2010. So he had an album this year. He's 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 back. Yeah. Speaking uh, of that last Sabbath album that came out in 2013, there was a video for it. I want to say it's God is Dead, and he uh, it was shot by or I'm not sure if it was shot, but it was it was directed by Peter Joseph, who directed all the Zeitgeist movies. Hmm. And the Zeitgeist movies are like, depending on who you talk to, they're either like uh, conspiracy theory trash or they're like you know really interesting social commentary they're probably a little bit of both to be honest but the video it definitely looks like not a particularly high budget but uh i thought it was kind of it was kind of cool it was definitely the kind of thing that peter joseph was would shoot but uh i don't know i just thought i'd throw it out there if you want to like hit up peter joseph i mean he's uh uh he's a good videographer uh he's like making a he's trying to make a, a movie now and it's it's been delayed for like a million years uh i don't remember what it's called but it it's like related to the zeitgeist films in like a very kind of cursory way but he's also um a classically trained musician as well like he's a classical percussionist which is like such a like a cool combination of things he's a guy who like makes music videos uh you know social commentary conspiracy documentaries and he's like a classically trained percussionist like that's kind of cool yeah he's also like i would say his uh, his social commentary is actually pretty good like it's very nuanced like it's he's he's not like overly uh idealistic and uh he a lot of the stuff that he reads is from you know scientists and uh you know sociologists and stuff too so big mm -hmm. shout out to peter joseph friend of the show friend of the show uh a last thing about the uh take what you want song by post malone uh, a couple songs from that same album called hollywood's bleeding also came up in that top hundred playlist um and all of them were good so i will probably check out that full album and... yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because uh, i'll try and get into post malone a little more because like i usually when i think of post malone i think of his older material like from like three or four years back mm -hmm. and uh, i know that he's definitely like developed as an artist since then so i have yeah. to start investigating his uh his more recent oeuvre so uh to to sum up banger i'll give it a banger banger uh we should you know what we should rename this segment i'm gonna rename this segment or suggest rename this segment halfway through the segment which is like total anarchy but that's what i'm about uh we should call it bangers and mash like bangers and mashed potato like the stuff that's not yeah. good is just mash so, 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 okay okay no, no no i like it bangers and mash so so if it's not good that's a total mash but then again it that sounds like mash would be a good thing though mash it's mash yeah, like they did the mash, they did the monster mash. Okay, forget it. Then. There's a graveyard smash, Aiden. Yeah, I retract that. 
All right, but uh, uh, anyway, to get along with that, um, I guess the one that I want to talk about uh, is uh, Dua Lipa. I, I dig Dua Lipa um, okay. for the most part. I'd say the song that uh, is on the top uh, is on the charts now. It's just an eh for me. Like I'm just gonna spoil it right off the top. Okay. Uh, it's 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 a disco uh, song. Like it's it's definitely like an homage as well to uh, you know to disco music. Um, but uh, she does have a song called uh, Future Nostalgia, which is actually the name mm. of her LP. And Future Nostalgia, the song is like leagues above a lot of pop music. Like it's mm. there's uh, there's some interesting like like almost jazz harmony in the second half of the song. Like there's like uh, like weird like half diminished resolutions and stuff like that but stuff that you don't hear a lot in like pop music like needless to say like it's a lot of it is just your your typical diatonic harmony which is nothing you know there's nothing necessarily wrong with that uh but it's so interesting to hear something that is so clearly influenced by like jazz and funk and uh disco that kind of like experiments a little bit with like uh harmony that's not like you know expected if, if that makes any sense Right. Um, uh, do I have any other stinkers? Actually, I, I, I no didn't have a lot of stinkers because yeah. um, I feel like the ones that are stinkers I've already like addressed. There is a song called uh, "I Love My Country" by Florida Georgia Line, and uh, mm-hmm. the Florida Georgia Line. Okay, all right, I'm going to do my prepared statement about country music, and it's going to offend so many people, and I'm going to lose ready. so many friends, and people are going to like want to lynch me after this. All right, ready? It'll be canceled. Okay, this is my prepared statement. Like parts of it, I actually got while I was outside going out for a walk, and so that's what you mean. That's like the uh, that's when you know. All right, here we go. Country music is like the film genre of body horror in a lot of ways, and not just in the obvious ways. Okay, body horror. Like uh, if you watch a body horror film, you know it's it's a very low likelihood that you'll get like a. Um, a good piece of cinema like a right. dead ringers or like a um, you know the fly uh, you're actually more likely to get something like human centipede um, which is just yeah. like uh, gratuitous and offensive and dumb right and that's basically how i feel about country music is that very rarely and very refreshingly you do get good stuff and it is very refreshing like uh, you know 16 horsepower uh, i'm not sure i think 16 horsepower are defunct now or like even like more uh, well-known contemporary artists like Vince Stapleton, uh, who I mean I don't really fuck with, but I um, I acknowledge that they uh, are definitely coming from a more sincere place. Uh, Florida Georgia Line is like Human Centipede. In fact, um, I I would say that uh, I'm going to henceforth rename uh, country music to body horror music. Because um, I feel like I might as well watch uh, somebody's face get stitched to somebody else's <laughs> asshole, uh, and then actually listen to another second of Florida Georgia Line, especially the hip hop fusion. Uh, so as far as body horror music goes, it's um, it's a you know. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that um, this song is not like the worst of Florida Georgia Line. It's actually, it, funny enough, it actually leans more towards eh. But it's still mm. it's still a stinker. Like it like Florida Line, like just you know, yeah. they they don't make anything particular. Like it's it's pandering, like the like the Bo Burnham song. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, you know it's four chord pap. It's like it references beer. Uh, I mean like 
I yeah. this is what I feel about uh, a lot of pop country, especially contemporary pop country. Uh, if I wrote a parody song of country music, then there would not be a lot of degrees of difference between that and stuff that is actually passed off as co- contemporary country. Uh, and that's body it. horror. Yeah, uh, body horror music. Uh, and um, yeah, that's my prepared statement. Uh, okay, if you okay. have any questions, please refer to my lawyer. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'll be uh, going into hiding now. Uh, yeah. So you won't be able to find me. I'll have a different social insurance number. And yeah, bye. Well, speaking of of sewing a mouth to an asshole, <laughs> talk about a stinker. <laughs> uh, I don't have any more stinkers. Not really any to talk about either, other than I have a list of a few that I didn't, I'm not going too deep in, but yeah. that were good for what they were kind of things. So uh, we already talked a bit about The weekend, the Blinding Lights song. Um, I'd call that a banger. I can picture it in a, a, a like a young adult TV show. I, yeah. I think that's a high compliment. I, I don't mean that ironically or anything like that would be like, I can picture it being like a, a in, in media and stuff. It's a good, good tune. Yeah. I heard, I heard a song called hot girl bummer, um, which I feel like would be a good TikTok anthem. Uh, Truth hurts by Lizzo. I've heard a few songs by Lizzo now. Uh, and I think she's very good. I think she, uh, I have to get into Lizzo. Yeah. But I hear she's good. I, I watched a video uh, where uh, I can't remember what her name is, but it's a girl that plays bass, uh, and she sort of did a cover of a Lizzo song, which is the first time I heard Lizzo. Uh, but she definitely like added a lot more to the bass line that made it technically better than the original song. But but Lizzo uh, does have good music, so I've been enjoying some of her songs here and there. Yeah, I actually have a lot of bangers because like, um, and uh, and I love that you, uh, thank you for bringing that up because that reminds me that I want to get into Lizzo properly uh, mm-hmm. because the only one that I've listened to is uh, her like big ass song, uh, no pun intended. Uh, and uh, I can't remember what it's called now, fuck. It's not Truth Hurts. Maybe? Uh, the other one I heard was, uh, I think it's called Juice. Juice, that's the one. Oh, yeah, that's actually, the one that I, that I heard the bass line with it. No, no, no. Actually, that's funny because, uh, first of all, I think Juice is a fucking great song. Yeah. Uh, and now, thank you for reminding me because that's, I mean, if I had not, um, I mean, if you hadn't re- mentioned it, I probably would have forgot. But that is a banger. Like, yeah, like that one, unabashedly. Um, of pop music of the present day, that, uh, that one's probably the best pop song I've heard in a couple of years. Yeah, Adam Neely did a uh, jazz reharmonization, and uh, uh, I love that. Like Adam Neely is cool. Uh, I find mm-hmm. his arrangements to be a little dense sometimes. Like not dense as in like stupid, but like dense as in like actually dense. Uh, yeah. uh, but I mean, like still a lot of respect for the guy, uh, and he was like wickedly talented bass player. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, uh, he did a, a jazz reharmonization. That's how I, I think that's how I figured out. Like that's how I uh, initially was introduced to the song. And then I went back and actually listened to the song in its entirety. And yeah, it's, it does slap. It goes. Yeah, it definitely slaps. Do you have any other uh, bangers? Uh, I actually have many. Most of the songs are actually bangers. So this is going to be a very optimistic. Uh, I mean, other than the the, uh, the trash I just uh, talked about, uh, mm-hmm. country music. Body horror. Uh, rather than trash talking what is now the body horror genre, uh, uh, most of this is going to be pretty optimistic and it's going to be... Uh, very uh, praiseworthy of the uh, pop genre, uh, pop genre or pop purview. Uh, the song uh, 
Everything You Want, Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish is probably either number one or number two. Uh, it's just like a really well done song. It's one of the more, uh, like we were talking about songs with more minimal production. All of Billie Eilish's music is produced by her brother Phineas, and he mm-hmm. has a particularly interesting production style as well. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because um, it reminded me of something that you used to do, or maybe still do, I don't know, with your music, and that you would um, sample like everyday objects uh, yeah. in order to get like percussive sounds. And he, and in almost every uh, of uh, Billie Eilish's hit singles, he does that. Like, for example, I believe in this song, uh, I'm not sure what he does for the percussion, but... I know that in Bad Guy, he samples, uh, I believe it was, it's a match, uh, like, going off. Um, he samples uh, a, like, a stoplight, like, one of those, like, uh, he sta- yeah, he samples one of those, like, stoplight, like, weight, uh, like, ticks in, I think it was Australia, in order to get a uh, hi-hat sound for, yeah. I think it was uh, Bad Guy. Hmm. But um, he samples a lot of interesting stuff, and sometimes it's, like, actually apropos the content of the music so i think there's a part in one of the songs that's about uh you know burning something or like a fire and he and that's when he samples the matches which i thought is mm-hmm. is kind of cool um oh, that's clever but this the snare for this one does not sound like a snare it's definitely something that's sampled uh, and when i say this one i'm talking about everything i wanted uh now billy eilish i would not necessarily char- characterize her music as dance music it's very kind of minimal. It's like, you know, it's electro pop, but not like uh, like dance pop, uh, at least not like, you know, club music like Dua Lipa. What I do like is that um, in the, this song in particular, Everything I Wanted, there's a there's a piano line and it kind of ducks out every now and then. And the reason is that is because there's like a uh, something called a side chain, which um, in uh you know, music production is where you tie the uh, the response, like the volume of something. I'm just going to try and do it simply. Like it has lots to do with compressors and shit, but mm-hmm. it's where you tie the volume of something to the vo- to the volume of something else. So when a kick drum uh, kicks, everything else kind of ducks. That's something called side chaining, and you hear that a lot in in dance music. And in this particular instance, you hear it like right out of the gate with uh, the piano line. And I thought it's really effective because the whole song, uh, the song is about uh, having a dream in which you commit suicide. And the in the actual uh, music video, they uh, drive into a into the ocean, and in the uh, artwork for the symbol or artwork for the single rather, it's a uh, an artistic rendering of the Golden Gate Bridge, which is like the a um, a big like suicide um, zone, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, a lot of uh, the stuff that uh, a lot of the lyrical content is uh, reflected by the production, which is a yeah. technique called prosody. When she says, uh, I think she's there's a part where she's saying something, something underwater, there's a reverb and a filter attached to that where it sounds like her voice kind of goes underwater, which is really cool. Like you hear prosody a lot, uh, like shot through the heart, I think uses prosody, uh, like it's shot through the heart, bang, like with the snare. Right. Uh, where the the snare is uh, used to, um, you know, obviously mimic a gun in this case, and uh, I, I I think that's really cool because uh, when you hear it done well, it actually does add to the experience of the song, and there's a lot of that uh, in the song where the 
production like just works so well with the the themes of the of the song itself uh, yeah I've, I've totally bought the hype when it comes to Billie Eilish um, yeah. and I really love love like uh, watching how a lot of the uh, her songs are produced and uh, yeah that's my two cents on that yeah I've not listened properly to Billie Eilish just the uh, I think bad guy and then a couple other ones uh, and the the one for the James Bond movie that she did yeah that's crazy, eh? I mean, like, uh, she was, like, pretty successful. Like, she was, like, uh, well-known. Like, she had a, a, a several hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube prior to her going big. Uh, so, and she was, like, 14 when I think when she released her first, like, big single, which was Ocean Eyes. Yeah. And uh, so, like, 14 years old, like, that's ridiculous. And her brother produced that song as well. And he was quite young at the time as well. So that's, so he's, like, a ridiculous talent as well. Um, and... Uh, She's now like 18 years old and she's already got like, uh, what, like five Grammy Awards, several songs that have been like number one. Holy shit. Like it's, uh, I think uh, it's a good time because like, uh, I feel like her, like Lord and like uh, Charlie XCX as well, uh, she could like really develop her, her style into something unique uh, now that she has like uh, a little more name recognition. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's, we've pretty much exhausted the bangers and stinkers segment did you want to go to yeah. the next segment uh, uh is that the soundcloud yeah um so do you want to go ahead i, I was i just talked uh, like a like a long time about billy eilish so you yeah ahead. um I, i've just got two soundcloud users for the shout out here so the first one is kaylee 95 k-a-e-l-i 95 She's a she sort of does like a singer songwritery type stuff, but it's kind of uh, some of her tracks have more of a uh, like alternative rock or even electronic influence in it. Um, but at the core, are, are well written songs. A couple specific songs that I recommend are "What Happened to the Music" and "Wife My Mind." Um, so she's a pretty cool uh, SoundCloud musician. And the other one, uh, it's called Broken Lamps. And they do sort of uh, almost music that sounds like it's from, like, 1970s films. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, like, that one is probably, of recent SoundCloud accounts, i found that's probably one of the cooler ones. Uh, so one of the ones I recommend is Halls of Time. It, it sounds like if, if it, it, for some reason, it reminded me if, if Beck made a song for a movie right. that sort of has that retro 70s vibe to it. I don't think any of his tracks have lyrics to it. They're mostly like instrumental stuff. But yeah, I really enjoyed that. Broken Lamps. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out because that's like right up my alley too. That's like my kind of shit. Was that all the ones that you wanted to shout out? Yep, just the two. Excellent. All right. I've got two here. Uh, I've also, I'm just going to do two. Um, I'm going to talk about them kind of very briefly, just an overview. One of them uh, is my friend Shane. Uh, he's actually a friend in mine that I uh, used to work with when we used to work at a grocery Actual store. Actual friend of the show. Yeah, real friend of the show. Hopefully we can get him on at some point. Uh, he's doing pretty well already, but I mean, like, I feel like even so, he deserves a lot more recognition. Like, I can see this guy, you know, actually making it big time. Uh, he just has a natural talent for production. It's it's an electronic music. Uh, a lot of it is down tempo, um, but a lot of it is more uh, up, up tempo as well. Um, mm. but the genres that he has on there are just... It's just called Wave right now. Uh, he's uh, on a record label. Uh, I think it's just a web label called Resurgence, I think. And uh, the music is just incredible. Like, it's uh, perfectly produced. Uh, 
It's uh, he actually a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff before I went to college for uh, uh, audio engineering. He actually taught me a lot of stuff like about how compressors work and you know limiting and you know different. Uh, he probably uh, taught me about side chaining as well. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, fantastic. Uh, he has an album that ethereal that uh, wait is this a track or is this an album? Uh, it's just a track. He has a most, his most recent track is called Ethereal. It came out in February, uh, and it's uh, it's spectacular. Two of his albums that I own uh, that have become like classics to me, like that I regularly listen mm-hmm. to, are Lava Lamp, which is a down tempo album with a lot of interesting uh, textures and samples, and also yeah. The Watcher, which is a little more. It almost sounds a little more poppy. And then uh, the the one that he bought most recently is a track that I bought most recently was a track called Ethereal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's Shane, Planet V. So if you go to, uh, we'll link all this. Uh, if, if we do it on YouTube, we'll, we'll put it down in the description box or the if we do it on SoundCloud, we'll put it in the info section. But um, uh, so that's Planet V. Uh, the other one is Dark Matter Nebula. Now this is uh, a bit different. Uh, it's a industrial artist. It's uh, very uh, noisy, um, textured sounds there's a lot of like dark ambience as well but um the percussion is just incredible like it's uh it's loud it's um and it does a lot of it sounds like it's um sampled from like real sounds uh even though a lot of it might be uh just like uh drum machines and stuff like that that are layered with a lot of uh distortion but Mm -hmm. uh i don't know i feel like these uh songs could be you know instrumentals for like a nine inch nails or like a coil or something like that but like they're just uh perfectly bleak and like dark and uh right. funny enough the album is called bleak <laughs> <laughs> uh and um appropriately named yeah and it's by dark matter nebula and mm-hmm. uh cool stuff i actually uh i found him on uh, uh mew as well uh mew being the 4chan board uh yeah. because uh i just recently released an album uh, a little bit of self-plugging there and i actually went on there just to try and get some plays <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it's uh it's pretty pretty fun good it goes it, it is a very good album that you have as well oh thank you i will also plug your album <laughs> is it called a living world it's called a living world i'm not yeah. sure if it's an album or an ep or if it you know qualifies as an album but uh, I, I, I will say it. that it is a worthwhile album thanks man i i, I bought it on Bandcamp. I recommend other people buy it on Bandcamp. Thank you very much. There was one song, Low Light, and also VHS Experience. Yeah. Okay. Frozen so there... Tears in Space as well was actually very, it, it sounded like someone suffocating in space, but in a really beautiful way. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I actually just made that one randomly one day, uh, and it sounded awful. Like the first mix sounded just like terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the synths were like too loud. You know, that's the one synth that kind of like is like a glissando. It was like way too loud. And so I like right. turned, turned it like way the fuck down. And then like that that opening sound, the uh, that kind of um, sculpture synth was well, the synth is called sculpture. And I made my own synth mm-hmm. out of it uh, is uh, was like way too fucking loud. And uh, and the levels were just like all over the place. There was like way too much mid. Uh, yeah. But so it, that one actually took me a lot, lot of time to mix and master. But uh, I think it turned out okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. VHS experience, where well, there's a lot of like bossa nova and samba influence in that one too, which is mm-hmm. stuff that I've been listening to a lot of recently. So yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I don't want to talk too much about my own shit. But yeah, I give it uh, five out of five Gandalfs.
Nice. The official review uh, standard for the Spin This podcast. Yeah. Uh, coming up out of the, the depths of my adolescent mind, back to <laughs> life. I, we'll have so, to explain that at some point. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, but we'll leave it a mystery for now. So, uh, you got anything else? We good? That's it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the first episode of the Spin This Podcast. I've been Sam Dow. And I'm Aiden Clare. And thank you for listening, and we'll, we'll hear, you'll hear us next time. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect.